We're jumping back into our series on prayer here. Um, this week's title is When Prayers Go Unanswered. I'm going to leave this one till next week, Your Prayers in the End of the World, because I want to hype that one up a little bit. Um, so this week we're going to talk about when prayers go unanswered. So I've got one definition. I've got, not ten, I've got eight observations about when prayers go unanswered and what's going on there. And then one, so what, at the end of this slide. Okay? And then one, why does this matter to us? Why should we even care about uh, praying or when they're unanswered in the first place? Okay? So let's get a definition in front of us of what it means to have an unanswered prayer. Unanswered prayer, you guys, is this. It's when God says no to the prayers that you pray. Now notice, you're actually praying these prayers. They don't just happen just because you're a Christian. By osmosis, okay? You physically, tangibly have to say them to God and pray them fervently, expecting an answer. You have to pray these prayers. So God says no to these prayers that you pray in order to give you something better. In order to give you something better than the thing that you prayed for. Because oftentimes when we look at unanswered prayer, we just say, God, you're the bad guy. All you ever do is say no to me, God. And that's not true. We're going to talk about it in a second here. He says no because he knows better for you. He wants to give you better than the thing that you prayed for. Okay? He always has our ultimate best in mind. And when God says no, it's always a yes to something better. Because God always answers prayer. But sometimes, you guys, he answers it differently than you would have thought. He answers it differently than you would have thought. The Bible says that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Ephesians 3, verse 20. So all that you can ask for and think and imagine for your life, throw that out the window. Because God has better plans in store for you. More than you can ask or think or even pray for right now. God knows better than we do. And he's able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or think or imagine. So, here are my eight reasons. Some, just, just, these are just reasons or observations why your prayers might not get answered, okay? These are not definitive, but they're just thoughts, comments, and some of them might be the reason that you're not getting your prayers answered, okay? So let's meditate on them together one by one here. Number one reason why your prayers might not get answered. You are not a Christian. You are not a Christian. That'll hit your prayers. That'll hit your prayers. That escalate quickly. If you're not a Christian, let's just start out with the worst news first. God's not going to answer your prayers. He's not inclined. He's not obligated to have to answer your prayers if you're not even following him. Why would he do that? That'd be ridiculous, right? That'd be ridiculous. John chapter 9, verse 31 says this. It says, we know that God does not listen to sinners. It's people who hate God. People who do not want to do his will. He doesn't listen to them. It says that God, he listens to the godly person who does his will. That's the person whose ear he's perked up to. He's waiting for godly people to say godly prayers so that he can answer them in a godly fashion. That's the type of prayer that he wants to answer. Because when you are a sinner, meaning you don't want to follow God whatsoever, and you're not a Christian yet. Back to point number one. If you don't want to do God's will, why would he answer your prayers? That would be like loading a gun so that you could shoot him. God does not want to get shot at, okay? 
So therefore, he's not going to fulfill your selfish desires just so you can try to harm him. When you have kingdom desires and kingdom thirsts and kingdom hungers, that's when you start praying kingdom prayers. And that's when you start getting kingdom answers. Because he does not listen to the person who wants to do their own will, but only his will. May your will be done, is what Jesus prayed the night before he was crucified, right? It says this in 1 Peter 3, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. His face, his presence, his persona is against you if you're not a Christian. Did you know that? If you're not a Christian tonight, God is actively working against you. Even in your prosperity, even the blessings that you think are working out for your good. God is using those <laughs> against you in one sense, right? But when you become a Christian, God becomes 110% for you. He's working for you. He's anxious to hear your prayers so that he can answer them. I don't know about you guys, but I do not want God working against me. I do not want the God of the universe to have his face set against me. I want to be with God. I want to be on his team so that I can see his will done on this earth. Okay? Number two reason why you might not get your prayers answered. Number two reason. There is unconfessed sin in your life. There is unconfessed sin in your life. Now, maybe you are a Christian in this room tonight, and I pray that you are. And if you're not, I'd love to talk to you. Any of these leaders would love to talk to you. But if you are a Christian, your prayers can sometimes even be hindered or stopped from being answered because you do not confess your sins. Okay? Now, an illustration of this is a couple months ago, I had a guy who came up to me at uh, one of my small group gatherings. And he said, hey, Marcus, uh, I just got laid off, and I need a place to live because I can't afford rent at my apartment. I said, I would love for you to be able to stay in my apartment. We could split the rent or whatever. I'll pay for the rent, whatever it takes to get you to be able to live and to survive out here. And he said, okay, cool. I'll move in with you after Thanksgiving. And he's telling me this like November 3rd. Okay, so a couple weeks later, he was supposed to move in with me, right? Well, a couple weeks go by, and I don't hear from him. I don't hear from him. And I'm wondering, what's going on? Why haven't you reached out to me to come in and... And live with me. I thought you were desperate, right? Well, I come to find out that he decided to start living with his girlfriend and didn't tell me about it. Okay? Now, I still see this man at a small group every Monday night. But he has not come up to me and said, I'm sorry. Or even given me a reason. I had to find out from somebody else that he wasn't going to be living with me. Okay? Now, my job as a man of God in that moment is to forgive him no matter what. Amen? It is. Our job is to forgive whether they apologize or not. But he has avoided me since then. This man has systematically avoided me and gone into other rooms when I'm in a different room, and he'll make sure that we're in different rooms at all times because he doesn't want to talk to me. I'm not mad at him. I just want to talk to him. But he has not confessed that to me. And he's, like, scared of me for some reason. Okay? Okay? And oftentimes when we have unconfessed sin with God, we get scared of God and we run from God. And that affects your relationship with God when you do not confess your sins. And this has affected my relationship with this guy from my small group. We can't even talk anymore. I'm like, please, I just want to hang out with you. But if you would just say sorry, it would be better for him and better for me in our relationship, would it not? It would. So in regards to your relationship with Jesus, you've got to keep a short debt with God. 
you got to keep a short debt with God. Look at this receipt here. Imagine if this was all the sins piled up that went unconfessed before God. But Matthew 6 says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins. That's a Christian prayer. Repentance is a lifelong Christian act. It doesn't just start when you become a Christian. It is every single day you must repent from the sins that you commit. And if your debt with God ends up like this, you might not even want to run back to him and ask him for help. Keep short debts with God. God wants to forgive you. But you've got to cry out to him and ask for help. Because the Bible says this, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Psalm 66, verse 18. If you love your sin, if you don't want to repent from your sin, that's going to hinder your relationship with God more than anything else. Okay? So keep short debts with God and be repenting daily from the sins that you commit. And I commit daily. Alright? So, number three, y'all. Reason why God might not answer your prayers. <clears throat> if God answered every prayer, people would follow him for the wrong reasons. People would follow him for the wrong reasons, but not. If God cured every disease, if you got an A on every test that you prayed for, if you're the most popular person in the school just because you prayed, would not God just be like a heavenly Santa, raining down gifts as you please and not as he pleases? You don't want God for God. You want God for his gifts. And that's as bad as not wanting God at all. And if you remember when Jesus fed the 5,000, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, the people were hungry the next day. And they came up to Jesus, and they approached him. And they didn't want Jesus for Jesus. They wanted him for the bread. That's when Jesus says, whoever feeds on me will never be hungry or thirsty ever again. Feed on me. Feast on me. That's what fasting is about. You put aside worldly desires to get eternal desires placed in your heart. The very next day, these people come up to Jesus, and they want food again. They want food again. And Jesus can see right through that hypocrisy. He says, you don't want me for me. You want me for my stuff. And this is what he says to the hypocrites that have come to him. He says, when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went across to Capernaum to look for Jesus. They found him on the other side of the lake. And by the way, how he got to the other side of the lake is he walked on the water. That's what happened right before this. They're like, Jesus, how did you get over here? We didn't see any boats. <laughs> yeah, I walked in the water. That's why I'm on the other side of the lake right now. Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus doesn't even res respond to this. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. If they would have understood the signs that the bread meant, they would have trusted in Jesus. The bread was supposed to be able to point people back to Jesus, not point to the bread. Somebody who can make bread appear out of thin air, that person's worthy of worship. But they worship the bread instead of the bread giver. And we still do that today. We still do that today. And Jesus knows that. Because if he answered every request that we would ever pray at a whim, people would serve him for the wrong reasons. That's exactly what they're doing right now in this scenario. So that's number three reason why. Your prayers might not be getting answered. Reason number four, your prayers might not be getting answered. You are asking for a snake. You are asking for a snake. Now what do I mean by that? Let's look at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount here in Matthew chapter 7. He says this, talking about prayer. He says, shh, ask and it will be given to you. 
Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. He says, if you just ask, if you just knock, if you just seek, I will answer your prayers. But he puts a qualifier behind it. Because he's not just a heavenly Santa. He has qualifiers to the prayers that he wants to answer. Now he turns it on the people listening. He says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? That'd be ridiculous, right? What kind of father would do such a horrible, twisted thing? When your son is hungry or thirsty, you give him a stone. It's going to kill him. Okay? It's a terrible father. That's a terrible father. Verse 10. Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a snake? That'll kill you too. If you then, though you are evil, how do you really feel about people, Jesus? We are evil naturally. If even though you are evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? Now, looking at this text, a stone, a snake, those would be ridiculous things to ask for from your Father, would they not? They would be ridiculous things to ask for. But beloved, sometimes we ask for the snake with our prayer requests. Because we don't know that they're snakes. We don't know that they're bad for us. We don't know that we're going to eat a stone and it will kill us. But who does know if it's bad for us? God knows if it's bad for us. And sometimes he lovingly withholds from us the snakes and the stones that we so earnestly and fervently ask for. Because he knows better than we do. The snake will kill us and the stone will kill us. Therefore, I'm not giving it to you because I love you. And even though you guys are evil, give good gifts to your children, I know better, infinitely better than your, heavenly, than your earthly fathers do. Excuse me. And they won't give you a stone and they won't give you a snake. How much more then? Will I give you good gifts when you ask? And they might not be the good gifts that you're expecting. Because it's a snake that you're expecting. God knows best. And when you ask for a snake, he lovingly withholds giving us snakes. Because he is a good father. And that's why he might not answer your prayer as well. Because if you knew everything that God knew, if you and I in this room knew everything that God knew and what the result of our prayers being answered would be, we would pray differently. We would pray for different things. And when God does answer our prayer in a different way than we would have thought, and we see that on the other side of our prayer, we would say, God, thank you. I would have prayed for this thing the whole time if I would have known. And God gets the glory from that, and we get the joy from that, because that was totally more than all we could ask for or imagine, was it not? God gets the glory, and we get the joy from that. Back to our fighter verse from Revelation chapter 3 that we looked at earlier today. What I open, no one can shut. And what I shut, no one can open. Because there might be a grizzly bear, so to speak, standing behind the door that you want open so badly. And God will not let that door get open. Because that grizzly bear will jump on you and attack you and eat you. Okay? The things that you pray for are snakes or grizzly bears. Maybe God has forcibly closed a relationship for you. Slam the door in your face and you say, God, was not this your will for me? Look at all the kingdom work that me and this guy or girl could have done together. And he slams the door shut. Why? Because he's a good father who knows better than we do. 
And he knows what a snake looks like, or what a grizzly bear looks like. Therefore, I'm not letting you in. As hard as you try to kick that door down, I've bolted it shut. But the good news is, when God does open a door, no human being can thwart it. No human being can shut that door. And you can walk through boldly, knowing that God has answered your prayer in the way that you prayed. Number five reason why I might not answer your prayer. He is setting you up for more joy later. He is setting you up for more joy later. Now imagine this. Let's say God does answer a lot of your prayer requests right when you pray them. Where's the struggle in that? Where's the wrestling with God in that? John 16, 24 says this. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. He has our joy in mind when we pray. He knows what will give us the most amount of joy. Even if he has to shut a door in our face for a season and make us wrestle with him for a season, he knows what will make us happiest. And your happy and my happy are completely different. And he knows that. The way he answers your prayers is going to be different than the way he answers my prayers because he knows our individual joys. And he has that in mind because he is a good father. Okay? I'm going to show you a 20-second video clip here of a guy who got married when he was 42 years old. That is a long time to wait for your marriage. Okay? My dad was 36 when he got married, 45 when he had me. I thought that was late. This guy's 42 when he got married, and he had to wait and struggle. And in this short, brief video cut up here, he talks about how much joy it brought him because he had to wait. But you're on the other side of this now saying, I wouldn't have known what to do with it. And I wouldn't have known how to cherish it if I hadn't had to wait for it. My wedding day was the happiest day of my life. I mean, it just didn't, was never sure it was going to happen. And we didn't rush into it. I mean, we, you know, we took a long time and dated and, you know, did all that stuff. And, but that stuff has to be earned. You can't, you, you know, you just can't rush a climactic scene. You can't rush it in a story. You have to have the tension. If you don't have the tension, the climactic scene is going to be a dud. You can't rush the best part of the story. You can't rush the climax. It's going to be a dud. When there's more gunpowder on the, on the ground, so to speak, the explosion is bigger. Is it not? When there's more tension in the story, more plot twists, more unexpected twists and turns in a story or a movie. The climax is better. It's better. It's more joyful. And God knows that. He will answer your prayer exactly when it needs to be answered for your maximal joy. Number six. God is teaching you persistence. Kind of gets into number five here. God is teaching you persistence in your wrestling and in your unanswered prayers. Because Jesus told his disciples this in Luke 18. He says, you should always pray and not give up. Even if circumstances look dire. If God has not given you clear indicators that he wishes for you to move on, then keep praying. Keep wrestling with God. Keep persisting because that's how God molds men and women after his own heart. If you got everything exactly when you wanted it, where's the perseverance in that? Where's the faith in that? So God might be testing us in that regard. It says this in Isaiah 64. No ear has heard, no ear, uh, excuse me, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for him. God is working in your waiting. 
He's working in your wrestling. How many of you guys like waiting in line in this room? Come on, waiting is so fun. At the Walmart, at like 3 p.m. on a Sunday, oh, it's the best. What are you talking about? God works for those who wait in life, prayerfully and expectantly, okay? Number seven, the reason why God might not be answering your prayers right now. God's no is a yes to something better. God's no is always a yes to something better. It's not just a no. Sorry. Sorry to disappoint you, but you're just going to be left out cold here. No, it's a yes to something better. Psalm 84.11 says this. No good thing does God withhold from the righteous. No good thing. So if God does not grant your prayer request, you can have peace knowing that it would not have been good for you to have had that thing in your life. It would have been a snake. It would have been a grizzly bear or a stone. When he withholds things, he does it in love, not in hatred. Because no good thing, ultimately, does he withhold from the righteous. And if you love Christ in this room tonight... You have been made righteous in the sight of God. And God is now for you, working everything for your good and not for evil. So that's another reason. You can have peace knowing that God's you can have peace knowing that God's answer is always better. And we lost somebody in our church community this past week, um, Noah Cox. And when he got sick, he was only sick for about an hour or two. From the time that we heard about what happened to him from the time that he passed away, about an hour or two. In that hour or two, our entire staff as a church got together. We prayed for Noah to recover, to make a full recovery. We said, God, is this not your will? Don't you want your children to live to a ripe old age and expand your kingdom here on the, on the earth like we know Noah Cox would have done? And he didn't answer that prayer. And sometimes we throw up our hands and we say, why? The natural response, right? But we aren't the only people have ever asked God the question why. But how we respond to our why is critical. And I want to show you somebody who responded very well to his why when his terminally ill daughter passed away. His name was George Mueller. His name was George Mueller. And he witnessed to about 10,000 orphans and he started about 120 educational Christian facilities for students to be able to come up to know Jesus. 120,000 students went through his school back in the 1800s. And George Mueller says this about his terminally ill daughter. He says, if the Lord wants to take my beloved daughter, he knows it would be best for us as parents, best for herself, and more for his glory than if she had lived. Knowing this is what gave my heart perfect peace. I did not have a moment's anxiety. That's the kind of unwavering trust that we have to have in God when our prayers go unanswered. God, this is for the ultimate best. It may not be for my best in the moment. I might not be able to see it. I might not even be able to see what the best was until glory. But I need to trust you right now that you do know best, God. And he says, I didn't have a moment's anxiety. When she passed away, he was able to make a statement like that. Now, it's interesting that he says perfect peace right here. I have perfect peace. Undivided peace. Now, where does that come from? He's quoting scripture. He's quoting scripture in this moment. That's why he's able to have perfect peace in the midst of a tumultuous storm. He's able to have perfect peace. Because the Bible says this in Isaiah 26 3. It says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on you. 
Those whose minds are steadfast towards God. You're thinking about God. You're trusting God. You're knowing that he has your best in mind. If you think those thoughts, you will have perfect peace 24-7. And the reason that we don't have perfect peace in this room tonight, the reason that we're anxious, the reason that we care so much about what people think of us, is because our minds are not stayed on God. We don't think about the things of God. We don't trust God. We don't think that God has our best in mind. We chase after snakes. We chase after grizzly bears and stones. But those whose minds are perfectly stayed on God, you will have perfect peace because this is evidence of your trust in him. May we trust in God like George Mueller did. In the midst of a tumultuous storm, he's able to make a statement like that because his trust is so great in his great God. And finally, number eight, the reason that God might not answer all your prayers is because God is doing a million things at once. Did you know that? Sometimes we want one answer from God when we ask him why. Why did you take this person from me? Why did you end this relationship with this person that was supposed to be my person for? Why did you do that, God? When we're seeking one answer, you know what God would say in response to that? He would say a million different things. God does not just do one thing at once. He's strengthening people. He's humbling people. He's working out situations. He's convicting people of their sin. He's not just doing one thing. And that's why he's worthy of complete trust when we don't feel like trusting him. Because God knows infinitely more than we do because we are finite, fallen creatures and he is infinitely perfect. Just an example of this to close out. Many of you guys have been following the coronavirus deal, right? Well, I didn't know this until a couple days ago. But in Iran, they have the second most coronavirus cases in the entire world behind China, okay? It's bad. It's really bad. And the government passed a bill that said they were going to release 54,000 prisoners in order to combat the spread of coronavirus. I don't know how this is going to work. I feel like that won't help anything. But they released 54,000 prisoners, many of whom got to go back to their families, right? Many of whom got to go back to their families. Now, guess... Who's in the prison in Iran? Guess who are a lot of the people who are in prison for their faith in Iran? It's Christians. Christians are in prison for their faith, for living out their faith, for professing their faith, for going to church. They're in prison right now in Iran. And 54,000 people just got released from prison, many of whom are Christians, who get to unite with their families, who they haven't seen in months or years. God's doing a million things at once through a bad thing, the coronavirus, through a wicked government, Iran. He's doing more than one thing. We can trust him. He's working it out for our ultimate good. So in conclusion here, God might not answer your prayers because, number one, you ain't a Christian. Sorry, and probably isn't inclined to answer your prayers. Please become one if you're not. Number two, there's unconfessed sin in your life. Number three, if God answered every prayer, people would follow him for the wrong reason. Number four, you're asking for a snake or a grizzly bear or a stone. Number five, he's setting you up for more joy later. Praise God that he makes us wait in attention. Number six, he's teaching you persistence. Number seven, God's no is a yes to something better. <clears throat> number eight, God is doing a million things at once. And I don't know about you guys, but that God is worthy of our full and undivided trust. Let's pray again.
Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much that you do not answer every single prayer the way that we think it should be answered. And we're dumbfounded at the way that you do answer our prayers. We get to say, wow, I could not imagine that. I couldn't have thought that. I couldn't have prayed for that. I didn't even know that existed. But you did, God. We praise you for that. So, God, may we have courage to keep praying when you do answer no to our prayers. That should be a motivator to pray even harder, to focus on you even more, to keep our minds stayed on you like George Mueller's was. So may we not grow weary in our prayers. May we always keep praying, just like Jesus taught his disciples. And may we be men and women after your own heart who do not pray for snakes and stones. We love you so much, Father. It's your son's precious name that we pray. Amen.